Y'all ready? Open your Bibles, if you would, to, uh, let's see, we got to go to, uh, we got to go somewhere. I'll find it here in just a second. I need to know it too. It's John chapter 4, John chapter 4. And there's other places as well. Hopefully we'll have the scripture on the screen. <sighs> Title of our message this morning is another close encounter because I believe that we're being spoken to by these individuals' lives that encountered Jesus so many years ago. They had encounters with Jesus Christ that literally changed their lives from top to bottom. So far, we've talked about two close encounters. We talked about blind Bartimaeus, and we talked about dead Lazarus. Y'all remember dead Lazarus? His body was already beginning to stink. But they both had an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed, their, changed them in a very extreme way. Their lives were to never be the same again after they had this face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ. Blind Bartimaeus, whenever he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, guess what? He was no longer called Blind Bartimaeus. He was called Bartimaeus. Or maybe he was called Bartimaeus, the man that Jesus gave his sight back to. Amen? Changed his whole life. But then last week we talked about Lazarus, poor old dead Lazarus. He wasn't called dead Lazarus anymore, was he? He came out of the grave. He came out of the grave, folks. That's This encounter with Jesus Christ changed their lives. The definition of encounter this morning is to come upon face to face. And I believe that Jesus wants every person in this room, every person listening online, I believe he wants us all to have a face to face encounter with him, a close encounter with him. And I'll just tell you, as I've spoken the last two weeks, I need a close encounter with Jesus Christ. Always, forever, I need a close encounter with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we move through these encounters that you find in the New Testament with Jesus Christ, I believe that, that, that we as a, a people, a worldwide global population of humanity, I believe that we have a very big problem today. And some of you all will say, man, I do too. Man, it's a political problem. Well, it's a race problem. It's, a, uh, it's this, you know, we can just go down the line. But this morning, I believe that this problem is, to say the least, very extreme, an extreme problem. I think that probably even extreme doesn't efficiently describe the severity of the situation, because I think it goes past extreme. Our world is looking for something. That's the problem we got. Our world is looking for something. There's billions of people in humanity this morning that are looking for something. They're looking for something to satisfy. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, we had somebody stand on the platform here, and, and they sang the song called the Donut, the Donut Song. Life without Jesus is like a donut, like a donut, like a donut. Life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. Man, I could, I could not find any song that would more appropriately describe what we're talking about this morning because I'm not talking about some Jesus-shaped hole in the middle of our hearts that only He can feel, but I'm telling you that every one of us have been created by a Creator to need that Creator. We cannot go through our lives without that Creator. God wove something into us, and I believe that today it is causing people, humanity, men, women, young and old, to look for something that they're longing for, a deep longing. I need something, but I'm not exactly sure it is, what it is. I believe that this longing or this needing or this craving, this aching many times that's in our heart, this yearning that people have in their heart is... is is, is, is what people are looking for. I gotta have something that fills that yearning. I gotta have something that calms that ache in my soul. I gotta have something that fills that need inside of me. And that brings me to a place where I gotta brag on my grandkids. Is that okay? Sure it is. Okay. A few weeks ago, my grandkids came to visit me, Nora and Abel, and Nora loves to play hide and seek. And here she is, just a little bitty squeak. And she said, Grand, do you want to play hide-and-seek with me? And I said, man, sure, let's play hide-and-seek. And so she went and hid, and I counted. 
And I'm just going to tell you right up front, I could not find that little booger. We're outside. We're outside playing. I looked all over. I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked. I looked in all the places I figured she could go, you know, kind of right around the house, you know. And I looked everywhere. I could not find her. I went in the shop. I looked in the shop. I went in the garage. Looked in the, I could not find her anywhere. And I'm thinking, man, where is this kid hidden? I mean, she doesn't need a very big spot to hide anyway if y'all are there with me. I couldn't find her. I looked. Then I enlisted the help of her mother because I thought, oh, she can find her for sure because moms always know. And we both looked and we couldn't find her. Now, quite some distance from my house is my barn. And I got to tell you, I think that my barn would be kind of a spooky place for a little kid. And it was one of the last places that I would look. But I went out to the barn just in case. And there she was hiding next to the lawnmower, all scrunched down. And I said, nor you little booger. You're one of the best hiders I've ever seen. But you know, for the first 15 minutes I looked for her, I looked in all the wrong places. Just like I looked in all the wrong places, I believe so goes humanity. I believe humanity is looking in all the wrong places to satisfy that longing or that needing or that craving, that ache that is in their hearts, that yearning. I believe they're looking in all the wrong places. See, it's kind of like this. They're thirsty, but what they're drinking never satisfies. And so that brings me to our message this morning. That was just kind of the intro because we're going to talk about a close encounter this morning, a close encounter that happened between Jesus and somebody very unsuspecting, but yet it changed the course of their lives. I grew up in the desert, the desert of New Mexico, and so Coming to North Carolina was a real surprise to me because everything is green here. And it takes mountains of water to keep everything green here. So whenever you all are complaining and you're going, man, it's just raining too much, just take a trip to Roswell, New Mexico, okay? And you'll come back and say, Lord, I forgive me. I will never say it's raining too much again. Because there's parts of New Mexico that are just, they're just barren. Most of us especially here in North Carolina, take water for granted. Many times whenever I call my mom on the phone, one of the things she'll say is that it hasn't rained here at all, and I'm sitting there looking at my rain gauge, and we've got three and a half inches this morning. And she says, well, it's not right. You should ship me some of that rain. UPS doesn't deliver rain. You see, we take water for granted oftentimes. Here in the United States, most of us can walk into our kitchen at any time, lift up the lever on our tap, and we can fill up a glass and drink it any time we want. But, you know, we take water for granted at least until we become thirsty. We don't usually think much about water because we can, like I said, turn on that tap. We have all the fresh water in the world. But you realize how important the water is whenever you get really, really thirsty, and you can't get that water that your body craves. Suddenly, all you can think about is that water that you need, that, that, that next thing that's going to go down your throat and satisfy what your whole body is craving at that moment. You see, whenever you really, really get thirsty, every thought is about that water that you need. And your body literally becomes, uh, a, it begins to ache for that water. So whenever you think about a desert, you think about where I grew up, a lot of times what your brain gets is a picture of barrenness. But you know, even in the middle of a desert, it can rain. And whenever it rains in the desert, all manner of life literally begins to spring forth. And I've seen it time after time after again, time after a very short uh, uh, time, whenever it rains, after a short time, suddenly everything is like the Garden of Eden. Great amounts of vegetation grows everywhere. So Jesus uses this image for you and I to kind of latch on to this morning. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so that's where we're at. We're going to be talking about 
thirsty, and we're going to talk about drinking. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ will be the one who satisfies the thirsty soul. He is the water of life, and He will give Himself freely to anyone who is thirsty and wants a drink. So that brings me to our text this morning. It's quite a bit of a text for this story, but we need to include it all. This is John chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 5. And again, as we begin to move through this text, begin to think about this encounter between Jesus and this woman at the well. So John chapter 4, verse 5, it says, So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jesus had no, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water. Are you, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, <clears throat> the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So here's this encounter between a Samaritan woman and Jesus. I mean, the setup for this whole meeting is that the, that the uh, uh, disciples had been traveling with Jesus. Jesus comes to the border of Samaria, which you have to know this. The Jews hated the Samaritans so much and vice versa that Jesus literally should have gone around Samaria, not through Samaria. But we know, from the, we know from the story here that Jesus literally comes to the border and says, I need to go through Samaria. And so this is kind of an oddity, but as they begin to make their way through Samaria, they come to this place where uh, there is a well at. The disciples take some change, and they go into town to buy quarter pounders and cheese and fries and all the things so that they can have a meal. And in the midst, Jesus is sitting at the well, just waiting on His disciples to return. And all of a sudden, He is visited by a woman who has come to draw water. She's not drawing water to water her animals. She is drawing water so that she can go back and put her water pot in the refrigerator and cool it down. That's maybe not. And Jesus and this woman begin to talk to one another. And there is an encounter, a close encounter. So here's this woman at the well. Jesus is tired, he's thirsty. And so he asks her for a drink. And now you have to understand, just the little bit of setup that I gave you, this woman is shocked that he would even ask her for a drink. 
because she's a Samaritan and he is a Jew and they did not have this kind of relationship with one another. Jews did not fraternize with Samaritans and I'm just going to say this as well, they surely didn't fraternize with Samaritan women. It was just completely off, off, uh, out, of the, out of their ability to do so. So Jesus, of course, uses this opportunity in asking this woman for water to talk to her about living water. This woman probably was not living the life she needed to be living. Are you all there with me? She probably was doing some things that she knew she probably should not be doing. And Jesus begins to talk about living water. This living water is different from the water she's drawing out of the well because this living water will satisfy her real thirst. As I began this message and I began to talk about the ache and the longing and the wanting and the needing that has taken place inside of people's hearts today, folks, people are trying to fill that wanting, that needing up with all different kinds of things. Half the economy of the world is based on trying to fill that void. I mean, we have all different kinds of ways. Many of you right now are running through a list in your own minds of the various things that people get involved with so as to feel that ache, to feel that thirst inside them. We get involved with things we shouldn't get involved with. I mean, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's sex, there's entertainment, there's, and the list just goes on and on and on. And if all of that's not enough, we try to fill that ache inside of us with stuff. You know how it is whenever you get new stuff? You know what I'm saying? Whenever you go to Stuff Mart and you buy stuff, you know, and you get it home and you go, oh man, I got the latest, greatest, you know? Uh, pretty soon it's not the latest, greatest anymore. It goes into a dumpster. I mean, you literally take something you paid $500 for five years ago and you set it out there and you go, hmm, what a waste of money. The thing is, folks, stuff will never take the place that Jesus is supposed to take in our hearts. Alcohol, drugs, the list goes on. It'll never, it'll never take the place. You see, this woman, I think, probably assumed that Jesus was talking about water from this world, that she would be happy not to have to come to this well and draw water every time she needed water. Are y'all there? I mean, hey, I'll give you water, the supply of water that never runs out. You'll never have to draw water again because this is living water. I think that she probably got excited about that. She says, oh, this is going to be good. Never have to come down here again because I have an idea. It was probably a pretty fair walk. I have an idea. It was a lot of work to carry this pot of water back because she's not carrying a quart. She's probably carrying enough for her whole family for a day's worth of drinking water. She was only thinking about her physical thirst. See, she was thinking about this physical water, and Jesus is trying to introduce her to this whole new concept, and it's called spiritual water. This is a spiritual thing. So once that she realizes that Jesus is, is, is uh, what Jesus is talking about, she gladly becomes a partaker of this living water. She's, she says, yeah, I want it. I want this living water. So she, all of a sudden she made a change from the physical water. She knew she's still going to have to be coming to the well and drawing water. But she says, wait a minute, I got to have something because there's, see, there's this need inside of me. There's this want inside of me. There's this ache inside of me. And if you look at her life, she probably tried to fill this ache or this, this want inside of her with relationships. She said, man, all I need is a man. That's all I need. And then she got a man and she said, you know what? I really don't need that man that much. And so she got rid of him. And she said, man, all I really need is another man. And so she got herself another man. And pretty soon she says, wait a minute, I don't need that man that much either. And you know the process. She just went one after another after another. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference who you are. Somebody that you marry is not going to fill that void that's on the inside of you. Your spouse cannot do it for you. 
you got to have something besides that. And that woman, all of a sudden, the light went on, the bell rang in her, in her life, and, and, and joy fills her. I mean, this woman literally went away from this encounter with Jesus Christ. She gets a hold of this living water, this living water that, that, that replenishes every day. She doesn't have to go to the well because it's supernatural and it fills her up. She literally goes into the, into the city shouting for the people to come and get a drink of this living water for themselves. Says, man, you got, whoa, baby, you, whoa, you got to come and see this guy I met down here at the well. I'm telling you, he gave me something that was good. Can anybody think back to whenever the day was that you got born again? Woo, baby, I'm telling you, it was good for me. I mean, it was real good. I got born again, and I mean, I literally felt like I was floating around. I wasn't. I was still walking. I felt like for the first time in my whole life, I was a handsome young man until I got to the mirror. I looked exactly the same, but I felt completely different. Are you all there with me? Why? Because all of a sudden, I got this ache. I got this longing. You see, I got this yearning on the inside of me. I got something that I needed so desperately that I didn't even know what it was I needed, but I got it. Whew, it was good. I was filled with the living water. This woman is so filled that she literally begins to overflow. See, that's what happens with Jesus. He get, Jesus is a giver, and he likes to give you so much you can't even handle it. You realize that? I mean, it's, there's scriptural proof to this, man. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, the Bible says. And so this woman, she's got so much living water in here that literally she, becomes, she begins to overflow. A nice thing to do in the desert, amen, because where they're at is the desert. And I'll be honest with you, I believe the city that she was a part of was perhaps a desert as well. So this is a really nice thing. Once, once she spread the word, there were a lot of people that came out of town to see Jesus down at the well. They came out because they said, man, I know her. <laughs> Listen, I've, I, my brother-in-law married her a few years back and pff, that went south. I know what she's like. They went to get some living water themselves. It's a good thing to happen in the desert. In Isaiah 44, verse 3, this is what it says. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Listen to the promises that God gave us way back in, in Isaiah. He says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. You see, that's really all this right here translates to. Whenever we look at the world that is around us and we see someone that has a longing and they're trying to fill that longing in a way that is inappropriate, see somebody that has a need or a craving or that ache in their soul, you realize the reason that someone would come to a point where they literally take their own life is because of that ache in their soul. Whenever someone would turn to an alternative lifestyle, whenever they say, you know, I'm, I'm a transsexual or I'm a homosexual, you realize what that's about. It's an ache on their soul. And they believe that if, if they make that transition, that that's all going to be fulfilled in them. I tell you, it leaves you empty. For that young person that just says, oh man, I just, you know, that, that day that I'm going to be able to have sex is going to be a great day. I'm telling you, if you do not do it under the covering of marriage, it will leave you empty. There's only one way to be sexually fulfilled, and that is with your partner in life that you have legally been married to. That's a good place to say amen. amen. It's not preached very often because it's not that popular, but I will tell you, it's the only way it's going to happen. Jesus says, I mean, Jesus says, I am that living water. And here in Isaiah, it says, I'll pour out that water on him who's thirsty. In Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Let everyone that thirsts come to the waters. What is he talking about? He's not talking about the little Tennessee. He's not talking about Lake Michigan. He's talking about the living water that comes from the spiritual source, and that source is Jesus Christ. See, dryness creates thirst. That's why I carry Tic Tacs. I've had problems with these things in the past because I usually preach with one in my mouth. It keeps my mouth from drying out. Makes my slobber, spitter slobber or something. I don't know. 
I have had problems with them in the past. Whenever they get a little bit smaller in my mouth, they start wearing down. And I'm preaching away, and all of a sudden I do a big inhalation of air. I've sucked those crazy Tic Tacs down my throat. And I'm telling you, it's not fun. It's hard to recover from that. Dryness creates thirst. And thirst is a desire. And I believe that it's very clear that many times God has allowed even His own nation of Israel to go through dry spiritual times. Because until you're dry, you don't know you need a drink. One of the warnings that God gave Israel was about forsaking His covenant. Hey man, don't walk away from me. He said, man, if you do, literally the heavens can shut up. They won't, they won't rain on you anymore. And, and that's, that's, that's not just so God can inflict pain, but it's, it's so that He can remind people of the dryness in their soul. The physical dryness was meant to remind them of the spiritual dryness. Our craving for water, and that in, I'm speaking of natural water, can be much greater than our craving for food because we can't live as long without water as we can without food. To neglect God for even a short time can create a thirst in our soul. Dryness destroys life very quickly. Again, the place we live in is green because we have a lot of rain. It rains. I thought it was going to rain yesterday, and then it never did. It just rained kind of around me. But it's coming. We'll be locked into this weather pattern where, you know, you get three, four, five, six, eight, 12 days of rain, and we'll say, praise God, because it's keeping our place green. Because if we didn't have it, it'd be just like New Mexico. Amen. No Christ. You see, there's no water of life for the soul. The soul dries up. The soul becomes barren. So as it says in Isaiah 44, He will pour out His water upon them that are thirsty. He'll literally flood the dry ground. Come, you who are thirsty, come to the water to receive one just has to be thirsty. If you came to my house and you sat down and I said, you know, can I get you anything? And you say, well, yeah, pastor, I'm kind of thirsty. Man, I would, I would run into the kitchen and I would get you a drink as fast as I could. I'd fill your cup all the way up with ice. I don't know who's the weird people in this world that does not put lots of ice in your drink. I brought some one time to the person. They said, oh, no, just put like two pieces. I said, what? There's no reason to even put two pieces in there. Fill it all the way where it hurts your teeth, whatever, it passes over them. Are you all there? Oh, my goodness. This is... We moved to Montana, and we found out people up there don't even use ice half the time. They just pour a cup full of pop right out of the machine and drink it. And I'm going, what? This is satanic. To receive, one just has to be thirsty. If you walked into my house and said, I'm thirsty, I would give you a cup of water filled with ice first. See, to be thirsty is a desire in you. The well is never dry for those people who come to God thirsty. The well is never dry. Let's turn a few pages, if you would, to John chapter 6. I want to read... And, and I started not to do this, but I just really feel like this is appropriate this morning. Some of you may look at it and you go, this, how does this tie in with this story of this woman having an encounter with Jesus at the well? I believe this does. John chapter 6, let's go all the way to verse 53 and begin reading. It says, and Jesus said to them, and now you've got to get the picture. Jesus got a whole bunch of disciples around him. These are not just the 12, but there's a whole bunch of disciples, perhaps hundreds of people around him. He says, then Jesus says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat my, 
eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where uh, he was before? Is, uh, it is the Spirit who gives life. The, the flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Wow. Jesus explains to this crowd that's gathered that in order for them to know life, life in him, they were going to have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Man, if you heard that preached in the synagogue, you'd probably recoil as well. Amen? They could hardly believe what they were hearing. I mean, Jesus is saying, you got to eat my flesh and you got to eat, I drink my blood. And I mean, all of a sudden, I can imagine there were probably ideas of, of perhaps cannibalism even. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, the very idea of eating flesh and drinking blood seemed to be totally outrageous. It seemed to be crazy. But Jesus wasn't talking about actually eating his flesh and drinking his blood literally. He was talking about his sacrifice that was upcoming on the cross and accepting that sacrifice. You see, that's the whole concept today of, of Holy Communion. That's what we do. We, we take these items that represent his body, that represent his blood, and we take them into our own body because we believe that that's what we need to be doing. This was a tough, tough saying. Jesus basically threw out an ultimatum. Are y'all, have anybody ever threw out an ultimatum? To somebody, I mean, maybe your spouse. If you don't stop that, you can just get out. If you don't pick up your dirty socks anymore, you're going to be washing them yourself. That sounds like something you'd say to your kid. If I find your clothes stuck to the wall one more time, you're... Okay. This was a tough call. I mean, this was tough you got to drink my blood. you got to eat my flesh if you want to have any part of me. Jesus makes this offer in no uncertain terms. He didn't say, hey, if blood makes you a little squeamish, you're okay. See, you know, if this is kind of you know, out of your zone, that's all right. You see, if they did not do what he was asking them to do or commanding them to do, they would not receive him. It was a tough call. In verse 66, it states that after Jesus explained the meaning of this, he had a whole bunch of people lose interest, and they just quit following him. And you say, Pastor, what does this have to do with the woman at the well? You see, I think a lot of times what happens to us as Christians is whenever it gets tough, the tough leave. I mean, excuse me. They just leave. How many of y'all have run up to something that God says to do and you said, I really don't want to do that? That's exactly what happened here. People turned their backs on Jesus Christ because he asked them to do something. 
you know, one of the first signs that somebody is taking their life and putting it underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ whenever they get saved is whenever they start opening up their wallet to Jesus. Many times that's the very last thing that people get, they get convicted about is tithing. Whenever I first got born again, I had no idea about tithing. I never heard of it in my life. And thankfully, I married somebody that had been a tither all of her life. I didn't know what tithing meant, didn't know what it was supposed to do. The offering was passed around in our church, and I'd pull out my wallet, and two, no, one, and I'd throw it in. I mean, I, I had no idea. But then God began to deal with me about tithing. I heard it, and I started studying. I went to my wife, and I asked her, and she said, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be tithing. And I said, well, then we need to be tithing. And so you know what? We've tithed every since. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God has been able to bless us. But I will tell you this, even if he didn't bless us, he told us to do it. But a lot of times that's where whenever the going gets tough, people leave. They just check out. That's what happened here. Whenever really what we should be doing is whenever the going gets tough, we need to go back to the water and get us another drink. Because you see, that's what the encounter with Jesus is all about. See, Lazarus got himself another drink. Are you all there? See, blind Bartimaeus got himself another drink. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what this living water is all about. See, these people's thirst wasn't great enough and so they remained barren and dead. And I believe that's what the whole world is doing right now. They're settling for the physical bread. They're settling for the physical water. And it only satisfies for a short period. This call by Jesus to be committed, because that's all this really is. It's to be committed, to be so thirsty for him that everything else becomes nothing in comparison. You see, it, it was too tough for some of them to hear, and they, they left following Jesus. They just said, I'm not doing it anymore. You see, God is looking for a people who's thirsty, saying, God, I need more of you. I need more. Because I'll be honest with you, God, this whole thing, it's getting complicated. This Christianity is getting complicated. Can I just make a statement here prophetically? This Christianity is going to get a whole lot more complicated up until the time Jesus returns for his church. There is going to be persecution of Christian people in the United States of America. It's going to be difficult to be a Christian. You're going, to get, you're going to get slammed on Facebook. You're going to get slammed on Twitter. People are going to write things uh, with a spray can on the church walls. It's going to happen, folks. People are going to persecute you that you work with. It's going to get difficult. And so that's why I'm saying this. These, these people said, man, it's, it's, that saying is too hard for us. We're leaving. And there's going to be a mass falling away, if you would, the church of Jesus Christ, because people are going to say, man, this is too difficult for me. But I'm just telling you what we need in the midst of that difficult situation is we need to become thirsty for Jesus Christ. I need you, Jesus. This is getting tough. It's getting tough to be a pastor. It's getting tough to be a parishioner. It's getting tough to go to church at Trinity Assembly of God. Are you all there with me? And God, what I've got to have is I've got to have some of this living water, this living water. In John chapter 7, i got one more verse to go, and I think we're going to get out of here. John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. There's a feast of tabernacles that's taking place. Big, huge celebration, all kinds of things happening that were very symbolic. And so the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out. So he's shouting. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart is going to flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating all over Israel, Israel, remember, lived in a desert. 
And traditionally, on this day, the last day of the feast, they went down and they would draw water out of the pool of Siloam. Remember the pool of Siloam? This is where the guy, uh, he needed to be healed, but nobody would take him to the water. And so Jesus' man said, get up and walk. This is the pool of Siloam. Beautiful place. Had porches all the way around it. It was a, it was a wonderful place. And, and, and they would draw water out of the pool of Siloam for this closing ceremony of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's, it's here and likely at this moment that Jesus stood and made this offer. So here the guys are up on the platform and they're doing all this with the water from Siloam, the pool of Siloam. Uh, 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 these are the same waters that people bathed in that they thought had supernatural powers for healing, so on and so forth. So they're up there mixing the water, pouring the water. I don't know exactly what they did, but, but it was all symbolic. And all of a sudden, here's this guy in the crowd that stands up and he begins to shout. He says, is anybody thirst? Isn't that amazing? They're doing something with water up here on the platform. Let him come to me and drink. And see, he did not have a bottled water business. Are y'all there? He's not talking about physical water. They're pouring physical water up here on the stage. They're doing all these things. But he's not talking about physical water. He says, who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart is going to flow rivers of living water. Jesus is offering them even a better source of water than the pool of Siloam. Jesus stands and he makes this offer. If anybody is thirsty out there, just let him come to me. If they thought these vessels of water from the pool of Siloam could be helpful. They hadn't seen the flood of water that comes in whenever Jesus has an encounter with a person. He says out, he says, anybody that believes this, believes me, out of his heart is going to flow rivers of living water. Rivers. I went to the Greek and I looked that word up. You know what it means? Rivers. You see, Jesus is offering more than a trickle. He's offering us something so fantastic. Whenever we go through this, we go, well, yeah, the woman at the well, I've heard that story before. She has this encounter. She goes back in and, and you know, she, she tells the people, that, yeah, 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 it's, it's all good. And, and, you know, that eating his flesh and drinking his blood, ooh, that's kind of creepy. But, you know, yeah, you know, and he stood up and he did this. You see, what this whole message is, is about tying things together to, to cause us to begin to say, Lord, I need a drink. I've been saved for 40 years. I've been saved for 40 years. But I believe that right now in my own personal life, and I believe this is something God is doing in his church, my thirst for him seems to be escalating every day. I want more of him than I had yesterday. And tomorrow, I'm going to want more of him for Tuesday than I had on Monday. Are y'all there with me? It just seems as though God is just, whenever I get into his word, and I've read his word over and over, but yet I look at it and I go, man, I have never seen that before. This is good. You know, have you ever taken that plunge? Have you ever said, man, I, I want to I get a drink, God. I'm thirsty. If you haven't, or maybe you haven't in a long time, this is the word of the Lord to you. He says, come and drink. That's the offer he made the woman at the well. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there is no match for physical thirst versus spiritual thirst. I think that's why people are trying so many crazy things to fill that spot, that ache. They're doing things that are insane. I mean, there's this thing now that, you know, there's a drilling junkies that are jumping off of cliffs and jumping off of buildings. And, you know, they're doing it just so they can feel something inside of their hearts. Physical thirst cannot even compare with the powerful thirst of one's soul. I believe that human beings are born thirsty. I believe that. I believe they're born thirsty. We've got a lot of different sources out there, folks, to drink from. We really do. I've got a water fountain at my house right now that 
we took out of the foyer whenever we remodeled it, and we're going to put it in back in the uh, children's ministry wing after we model it. And uh, yesterday we were in my shop, and you know, my son-in-law said, "Man, look, he's got a water fountain in his shop." And I thought that is a great idea. I'd be the only one with a water fountain. In- no, I'm going to put it in the church. I'm just joking trying to get it running and cleaned up, so on and so forth. We're born thirsty. We have a lot of different kinds of places to drink from. There's water fountains all over to drink from, but there's only one that's going to satisfy the heart, that's going to satisfy the soul. Jared, if you'll come and help me close this this morning. I want to go back to the woman at the well because she did something very unique that many times I think we miss whenever we look at the Scripture. Whenever this woman had an encounter with Jesus at the well, and by the way, you know, history bears out the life and times of this woman, and there's some conflicting uh, pieces of history about what she became after Jesus had this encounter with her at the well, but many people think that she actually showed up on the day of Pentecost. She became a follower of Jesus Christ and came to the day of Pentecost. Her and her sisters, I believe she had like four or five sisters, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That's one story. And she became a a tear for the devil. Are you there with me? I mean, she went literally to Rome and ministered to Nero, which was a crazy maniac guy. But she, she had something in her that caused her, that propelled her forward to be a Samaritan, to come to the upper room, to wait on Jesus Christ to send back the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know this absolute fact that her community she lived in, there were people getting saved right and left, literally to the point where they had to take two apostles and send them to that community so as to bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit to them. But this woman, this woman we've been talking about this morning, this this encounter with Jesus Christ, listen to what it says. When she ran into the town to shout about this new living water, she left her water pot beside the well. She dropped her water pot and she left it there. In John 4, 28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, She left that water pot there. Why? Because she realized the futility in trying to quench a thirst in your soul with physical water. She had just got quenched by an encounter with the Most High God. That water pot became a futile thing. It just, I don't need my thirst quenched anymore because I just had an encounter with the the one who gives living water. She didn't need it. See, this morning, I believe that water pot represents a lot of things in our lives. We may be trying to fill that void. We may be trying to calm that ache with entertainment. Can I just say this? Entertainment's never going to do it. Sports is never going to do it. Drugs and alcohol and the list goes on. You need to set that pot down and get a drink from the well that never runs dry. He says, if you're thirsty, come and get a drink. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning with me? all over the sanctuary. I just have one question. Is there anybody in this room in a moment of privacy that would say, Pastor, I really need a drink. As this message has been preached, as the Holy Spirit has dealt in my heart, I realize my need. And I am willing to right now set down whatever my water pot is. Maybe I have tried all different kinds of ways to get this ache, this craving, this yearning in my, in my soul satisfied, and I just I haven't found it. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's fame. I don't know. 
But are you willing right now to just set it down and then just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need a face-to-face encounter with you. I need that living water. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning before you go. Wherever you are in this room, maybe you're there at home and you just, you just know what I'm talking about because the Spirit of God is ministering to you right now. If you are thirsty, He will give you drink. If you're in this room this morning and you want me to pray for you, would you just slip your hands up wherever you're at? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put them right back down. Anyone else? You want to be a part of this prayer. You're thirsty and you know it. Anyone else? Thank you. Why don't you stand with me, congregation? There are several hands that went up throughout this congregation and we're going to pray. We know that at home there are probably uh, those of well that they've got their hands up and they're saying, I need it. I need that living water. I need that water that quenches that thirst that's deep in my soul. That water that has been designed to do it. There's nothing else that can do it. And I want to have an experience with Jesus like this woman had. I want to go away filled. I want to go away with this water literally running over. Out of my belly is going to flow rivers of living water. If you had your hand up a minute ago, you ask, and I'm going to ask as well, and I'm going to believe God that you're going to leave this place and you'll thirst no more. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over every hand that has gone up. I pray for those at home, Lord God, that are tuning in. I pray over their lives. Father, you are the one who can give us that living water, that drink as only you can. And Father, this morning, I pray for a close encounter with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in every person's life in this room, God. I pray, Father God, that even those that didn't raise their hands, we don't even realize how thirsty we really are, Lord. I pray that you will begin to cause us to thirst like we've never thirsted before for an encounter with the Son of God, the Son of God, the Most High King of Kings. I pray, Father, that you will do something supernatural in each of our lives, Lord, that fills us to overflowing. Because, Lord, whether we live in the desert of New Mexico or the green vegetations of North Carolina, we are all living in the midst of a barren and dry place. Because, Father, there are people that are outside of the four walls of this church that they are dry. It's a desert in their lives. And like never before, Lord, we need to be a people who give forth living water out of our innermost being, Lord, May it flow onto our neighbors and our co-workers, our family members. And we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you folks. I pray you go and you are filled in Jesus' name. Amen.